Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the 1001 Stories Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Erica Tippett, your host from Down Under. We'll be doing a number of interviews, the love story of your life, your best days, worst memories, that kind of thing. In this interview, you'll meet Kathy from Texas and hear how she met the love of her life and travelled across the world several times to be with him and build the best life for her family. It wasn't easy. Kathy had to overcome major challenges along the way. So let's hear how she fared. Hi, Kathy. Uh, thanks for joining me. Do you want to give us a little introduction about yourself? Sure. I am 60 years old. I live here in Melbourne. I've been here for 30 plus years. I moved here from Texas, where I met Tony, who's an Australian. We have four kids. One is from my first marriage. Uh, Her name is Melanie, and she lives in Texas still. Yeah. Great. That's me. So where did you meet Tony? Why was Tony in Texas? Tony went to Texas straight out of university. He went over on a fellowship program. Uh, So he was picked along with another guy to work for a company. Uh, He was in telecommunications. So he was based in Dallas. I was living in Dallas. So we met, Tony's Catholic, I'm Catholic. We met at a church singles group. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) And would you call him your first love? Well, Yes and no. (laughs) I was married before I met Tony. I had been divorced probably for 10 years. Um, I had other boyfriends. When I met Tony, it was different. It was different. He was very gentlemanlike and something, you know, really intrigued me about Tony other than, you know, him being Australian. It wasn't long before I fell in love with Tony, yeah. And how did your friends and family react to this Australian that you fell in love with? Um, My family loved him. My family loved him because he was so down to earth and 
he you could just tell that he came from a working class family who didn't have a lot of money but really appreciated everything that they had and my dad you know sort of coming from the same background he really appreciated that and my friends i mean they were very interested in in they always had questions for him you know about his life in in australia you know so yeah so it was well. intriguing <laughs> oh it was it was they loved his accent and they just wanted to hear him talk <laughs> yep and do you remember a specific moment or event that made you contemplate making australia your home Yes, we had been married, let me think, gosh, not long after, actually, maybe six months. And Tony got a job offer here in Australia. The criteria was that we moved to Germany first for six months because it was a German company. So yeah, that's, that's how it started. And had you talked about the possibility before that happened or was that out of the blue? Yeah, it was out of the blue, actually. You know, I was in a different, I suppose, headspace back then because I was young. I thought it was it would be something exciting. Everybody raved about Australia. You know, we here coming from a small Texas city and really never leaving there until I moved to Dallas. Um, I had never been out of the country. So I thought, wow, that sounds exciting. You know, I'd love to go. Um, and every everybody, you know, well, everybody, my family seemed to be okay with it. So, yeah. Did that, I guess, acceptance have an influence over your decision to come to Australia? Do you think if they had been against the idea, that might have had a different outcome? Yeah, absolutely, because... I'm very close with my family, in particular my parents. They played a big, big role in my life. And they, had they been, you know, had mixed feelings about it, yeah, of course, it, it would have put me in a different frame of mind. But I think because they loved Tony and they trusted him, they were okay with it. Did you have any concerns or fears that you had to address before committing to make the move or in your young and enthusiastic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> excited frame of mind, did you just jump in? Well, there was a huge obstacle because I had Melanie and her father uh, saw her not on a regular basis, but it was more his family saw Melanie. And of course, you know, I had to tell him uh, he decided to take me to court oh. um, and get custody of Melanie. So Tony had already negotiated with this company and Tony's very big about education. So the first thing he thought was about Melanie's education and, and what that would be like in Germany, you know, because she didn't speak the language. So he negotiated for her to go to an international school. His company was going to pay the whole thing. Wow. 
yeah, it, it was all set up and, and he did all of that. So Tony had already moved to Germany and he was waiting for us. But then Melanie's father, you know, decided to take me to court. And that was tough. Yeah. That was really tough because Melanie was, uh, I want to say she was like nine years old and her heart belonged in Texas. Mm. As, as a child, I mean, you could see that she couldn't see the big picture. Yeah, she wouldn't have had a reference point. No, no. So I had to see her cry on the witness stand. And, you know, I knew that Melanie, it was such a fantastic opportunity for Melanie to grow, going mm -hmm. to another country, going to school, you know, in another country. I sort of supported that, or I did support that, sorry. But that day in court, it, it was just the most horrible thing. I don't ever want to go back there. In the end, the judge could see that Tony and I had the best interest mm -hmm. for Melanie. So um, I got custody of her. And Melanie wasn't happy about that. But she, I guess she um, tried her best. And we tried her best, our best, to make her comfortable with that. So she went to Germany with you? She did. She did. And she went to the international school? Yep, yep. And that was, in itself, was really challenging because I didn't drive in Germany. Tony didn't drive. Public transport is really good over there. So Melanie had to get on the train and go to another city for this international school and that just I was so scared mm. and worried for her she, but she was quite young oh yeah. she was so young but <laughs> she aced it and and I remember the first day it was winter in Germany and it was snowing and it was cold as cold I had Bianca as a baby and I wanted to go and meet her at the train station when she got out of school because I thought, well, what if, you know, there was so many what-ifs and yeah. I wanted to be there. I rugged up Bianca, you know, myself. We went to the train station and, and here I am. Of course, we didn't have phones back there, so I couldn't communicate with her. And I'm looking and I'm looking in the crowd and I'm thinking, where is she? Where is she? <laughs> And there was Melanie at um, Hungry Jack's having a burger. <laughs> I had a laugh and I just went up to her and I said, oh, I was so worried about you. Um, turned out to be okay. It was a good experience, I think, for all of us. We met some wonderful friends over there. It was only six months. Yeah, and then we came to Australia. Right, so you had Bianca before you went to Germany? Yes, Bianca was about 15 months, I think, Yeah. by the time it transpired, yeah. Yeah, so that's a big deal to move it family is. and four to... Yeah, it was a big move. Yeah. It was a big move. But uh, I'm glad we did it. And then when you finally came to Australia, what, what did you think? Was it all the kind of pictures you had in your head, were they realized or, or was it something different? Absolutely different. Absolutely different. 
yeah, you know, coming from Texas or, or say Dallas, where you go down the street and you see a building and you see a shopping center and, you know, there's fast food and everything that you need is just like two minutes away. And then I came to Australia and you don't see any of that. You have to drive a distance to go to a shopping center. And of course, you know, I had to drive on the left side of the road and the steering wheel was on the other side. That was a big challenge for me. And I, I guess just the way that I come from a Hispanic background. So what we ate at home growing up was very different to the food that Tony's mother cooked because we lived with them for a while. So, I mean, that wasn't a bad experience. It was just different. Yeah, and the Melbourne of then is very different to the Melbourne of now. Yes. So I can imagine it was, there was a period where we went through an Americanization of sorts, right? But that hadn't happened yet. Not to the scale that you probably expected. Yeah, no, it, it was um, it was a big change, you know. Um, some good, some not so good. Well, you know, I had to live with Tony's parents, um, which I'm grateful for that they put us up. But, you know, when you occupy someone else's home, you live by their rules. Yeah. And you don't want to step on anybody's feet. And I had kids, so that was tough. Um, I sort of... I felt like I didn't fit in. Yeah. Maybe those are the wrong words. It was more like I felt lost. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I had lost myself. Yeah. So, yeah. Were there any cultural differences? Like you talked about the differences of the environment itself. Mm -hmm. But was there anything that surprised you about culture that you hadn't thought of? I think a lot of the times people assume that you know, Australians and even British people and Americans, not that different because we're all Westernised and we all Mm. speak English. But in my experience, that couldn't be further from the truth. There's there's a lot of differences that are maybe less obvious at first. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, yes, there was. See, me coming from a Hispanic background, (laughs) we just did... So many things differently. Mm-hmm. Tony's family, well, the food was different. Yep. I suppose our, you know, when Tony's family gets together, they talked about politics was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, politics was a big thing, jobs and that sort of thing. In my background, when we got together, we ate Mexican food, of course. We had some music on. Mm -hmm. And not long after we ate, we would be dancing. (laughs) And I really miss that. I really, really miss that. I I guess our barbecues are very different to the barbecues at Tony's parents' house. Yeah. Did you bring the dancing in? Did you try? Uh, Not at Tony's parents house yep but in this house oh there's lots of dancing (laughs) (laughs) so how long did it did it take you to I guess get established and create your own family home 
Um, we were with Tony's parents for about three to four months, I think. Mm -hmm. And then we started looking for a place of our own and we found a house in Roble and we rented. You know, those probably first two years I know were very tough for me because I knew no one. And I think I was also a bit rebellious. Tony kept saying, you know, oh, you know, why don't you go to the community center um, and different ways to meet friends. And we'll return to our interview right after these sponsor messages. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And now, back to our talk with Kathy. I pretty much just stayed at home. I think had it not been because I had kids, Bianca was not school age yet. I got started in a play group for her because somebody recommended that mm -hmm. and I would get to know other moms. That was a big, big help for me and I really look forward to those dates. And Melanie being in school, you know, I met her friends and some of their parents but it, it, it was really tough for me because Tony worked all day. I didn't work in the beginning. It's really isolating, isn't it? It was. Yeah. It was very isolating. Tony's mother was about 30 minutes away, so she would come once a week, and, and that was good. But other than that, yeah, I felt pretty alone and out of my natural surroundings. Everything that was familiar to me was gone. So here I had to pick up the pieces and I found it really challenging. Yeah. And that, I guess, sense of identity and independence, how did, how did you bring that back or how did you forge a new identity in Australia? You know, I've always been a crafty person. I love art. I love music. I love dance. I love physical exercise. So... I went to a paint class hmm. and that was very rewarding for me. I got a lot out of that. And I also found or joined a local gym, mm -hmm. which I really, really loved. And that actually helped me a lot to, for one, get out of the house, meet other people. And I felt like I slowly started getting a piece of me back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the ways that we express ourselves 
you need somewhere yeah <laughs> to do that you need some way to reconnect with the bits that they're probably still there but they're yeah that's right hidden or maybe fragmented yeah well that's right yeah. I mean when you have kids it's sort of all about them and you know taking them to after school activities or whatever and you get lost in that and especially when you're in another country yeah, I suppose it's it's different for me now. I've been here for so long, and it, Australia actually feels like home now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go back to the U.S., I feel like a visitor. And I never, never in my wildest dreams thought that that would happen. Yeah. You know, I thought Tony and I were going to live in the U.S., and we were going to live the American dream, but... Uh, fate didn't (laughs) (laughs) had other plans had other plans for me and here I am yeah and I can't say that I'm unhappy about that because I feel so lucky I feel extremely lucky to be here especially in the past oh I don't know 10 years the way that things have played out uh, with the new president and COVID, you know, there's just been so many things that have made me think, gosh, I'm lucky to be here. Mm. Yeah. And you did try for a while, didn't you, to go back? I know Tony was, did he have a green card or he was trying to get a green card? I think that's when we were neighbours. Yeah, you know, what happened is, is five years that we had been here, my dad got sick. He got sick with a terminal illness and it was a tough decision for Tony more than me to leave his job and move back. So we did. My dad ended up passing away a year later Mm. after we got there. Um, That was really, really tough for me, really tough. And then I think it was shortly after uh, 9-11 happened Mm -hmm. and the economy just crashed and everybody was without a job. You know, it was terrible, terrible. And Tony lost his job. And here we were living in Dallas, uh, two kids, no income, um, no health insurance, which is a big one. Yeah. We had to live on our savings. And, you know, we just couldn't do that for very long. So Tony um, started looking for a job and he looked over here and he had a couple of interviews over the phone and he landed a job here. It was a good opportunity. So we decided to come back. Mm. It was much tougher, Erica, the second time because... My father had just passed away, you know, a year, a year. And I had so much emotional baggage Mm -hmm. with me. And um, I guess I felt like I was abandoning my mother. Yeah. Because in my father's deathbed, I had actually said to him, don't worry about mom, I'll look after her. Mm-hmm. I have other siblings, but, you know, I felt a strong commitment, as you do to your parents. 
so that was tough for me. I gave Tony lots of grief <laughs> about moving back. But it was hard, right? You didn't have a lot of options. No, so you've got we to, didn't. We didn't. You've got uh, to you choose know. the best, worst choice, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's it. In the end, I had to just say, it's, you know, we can't continue to live like this. Um, the first time we came out, we also bought a house and, and we made the decision to rent it out when we moved back. And that was the best decision we ever made. Mm. So we had a house to come back to. Tony had a job. It just made sense. Mm -hmm. So I had to sort of put my emotions and everything that I was feeling, you know, aside and um, decide that it was the best thing for us. Yeah. Yeah. And how was your mum? Did she take it well or was she? No, she didn't. <laughs> my mum was still very vulnerable and had raw feelings because of my dad's passing. Mm. So that was that was tough. It was really tough. And then Melanie also was 17 when we moved back. And she decided that she wasn't going to come back to Australia. Mm -hmm. So that was another, you know, curveball for me. I had to leave my mother behind who had just lost her partner of, I don't know, 40-something uh, years. Mm longer actually, 50. I had to leave my 17-year-old daughter behind because she wasn't a child anymore and her heart was in Texas. So, I, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't have the option of taking her back to court and I didn't want to anyway. Yeah. Know? She's more like an adult now. So I just had to um, live with that decision. So the second time was very tough. Mm. So I guess that's where those moments of regret come in. Did you, when you came back the second time, did you question that decision while you were here or did you make the decision and say, this is the best thing to do for my family and my relationship and I just have to move forward? Yeah, there was highs and lows. <laughs> You know, when I first came out, again, I thought, oh, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. My roots are back in Texas, you know, my family. I feel like I need to be there now. Oh, there was just a lot of questions the second time. It, it was, you know, it was probably tougher for me the second time fitting back in to the Australian life than it was the first time. And that was more because I wanted to be in Texas and not here. Mm -hmm. So... So you were looking back instead of looking forward the first time. Yeah. You were looking forward into the future and the opportunities. Yeah. And the second time yeah. you were looking back at what you'd lost and given up. Absolutely. And how did you work through that? Like how... You know, it, it was... It was tough. And... I think, again, had it not been because, well, we had more family then also. We had added another child. And had it not been for 
me being so, you know, busy as a mother mm-hmm. that, and some days I did. Some days I just sat there and cried and cried and cried and cried. And then Tony would hear it when he got home from work. Poor Tony. <laughs> but that, I suppose, kept me busy, kept my mind busy. And I just slowly, I suppose, picked up the pieces and decided that this is my life. I can either sit here and be miserable and think about what I've left behind, or I can move forward, give my kids a good life that they deserve. And and Tony also, you know, because, you know, nobody wants to have a wife that they have to come home to and hear her complain about what she missed out on. (laughs) So, you know, it took me probably a good two to three years maybe to really have that change and fully accept, I suppose, that this is my life and um, I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah. A lot of growth and personal, but also together, right? How did you work through it together and, and not let it, I guess, create a wedge or push you apart? Because, you know, Tony was probably, he probably had mixed feelings too. And, and mm. were, was there anything that you did together to bridge the gap? Or do you think it was just the strength of your relationship? And um, Probably a bit of both. A bit of both. Tony was very patient, which helped a lot. And he would make suggestions to me. I slowly started to meet Tony's friends. Mm-hmm. And that helped a lot because they were actually beautiful people. And I got close with... So Tony went to a Catholic school. And he's known these it's an all boys school and he's known these boys and they've kept in touch for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So they would have big get togethers and the wives were just so welcoming and they made it a point to get to know me and include me in their friendship group. And that made a big difference. Mm -hmm. We're still really good friends. I stay in contact with the wives and we see each other all the time now. So that was a big contributing factor that held us together. I would say it was uh, Tony's patience, (laughs) you know, me finally accepting Tony's life uh, here I mean, in the sense that, you know, his family, his friends, his family was, was really good to me also. His, he has a big family. There's eight of them. And his family was just amazing, amazing. There's three sisters, five boys, and the sisters would just invite me over their house. They would have barbecues. Um, we'd get together and, you know, I could just sense love all around me, mm-hmm. I suppose. And everything was just so nice and positive that I I grew from there. Yeah. That's lovely. Thank you. 
My last question is, do you have any advice you would give to the younger version of yourself that would help navigate this? Or do you think it's just something you have to live and learn on the way? I think what I would tell my younger self is, don't be so hard on yourself. Because I remember when I was younger, I was, it was about me pleasing other people Mm -hmm. to the point that it kept me down, you know, and I would walk away and think, you know, you, you feel bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. You, that's probably the biggest piece of advice that I would give my younger self is be your authentic self, whatever that may be. And just because you don't agree with someone doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you're wrong. And if they don't like that, it's their problem, mm-hmm. not yours. Yeah, and, and, and probably the other thing is that uh, I wished I would have pursued my passions more. But the mentality back when I was a teenager in the U.S. was, oh, you've got to find the job of your dreams, which is important, I know. But you've got to get in a good company and you've got to move up. You know, you've you've just got to take that step and excel at your job and, you know, all the pressures mm-hmm. of corporate life. Yeah, exactly. Corporate life. And it's not about that. Yes, I think that having a good job is important, but mo- what's most important is what you're feeling, how you're feeling about yourself, where you're at. And at the end of the day, knowing that you've done whatever you set out to do and that you're comfortable in that decision. Um, And I think that, um, you know, is a big stepping stone for a a good life. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview. John and I were chatting the other day and agreed the world could use more love stories. Everyone has a story that's unique. Do you have a love story to share? We would really like to hear from you as we build out the next phase of this podcast. Please get in touch with me via email, admin at ericatippett.com. And that's Tippett, T-I-P-P-E-T-T. Wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. We can meet and chat online. That's all for now. Thanks again. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.